0: Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. This is Sharnel.
1: And I'm Amber.
0: And today we are wrapping up our listener week special. So today's listener pick came to us from a couple of fans, actually, but I'll name the first listener, not fan.
1: (laughs) They're fans. We can call them fans. (laughs) How presumptuous of me. Um, I meant listener. Good God. Fans were. Begging for this
0: one. (laughs) Yes. She actually wrote me and said, hey, I just watched a 2020 episode. The episode actually aired quite some time ago, but the poor dear is a mom of three darling boys and had not had time to watch it. And she was like, I think you're going to get sucked into this case. But she wanted our opinion because we are social workers. Oh, okay. And she knew that we're definitely going to feel some sort of way about this and have some some thoughts and insights. And I was super glad once I dove into this. And when I say dove, I'm talking bought and read <laughs> two different books, read every news article, watched everything. I had scuba gear on for days. Yeah, you
1: did some deep sea diving.
0: My listener pick is the case of Susan Powell, It's not just Susan Powell, but it's also her two darling boys. Yes,
1: this case is loaded.
0: It is loaded. It's tragic. I make no qualms right now about the way that I will break this up with humor, simply because that's our style here at Crime Curious. And this could be a case that could leave you with a heavy, heavy heart. And I just want to give a special thanks to my girl Carmen for her listener pick today. Thank
1: you, Carmen
0: and she did give me permission to use her name. Okay. Too, by
1: the way. Note and- to self ask next time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry about that, Heather. Sorry, <laughs>
1: Heather. We said your name again.
0: As I jump into this case, I almost don't know where to start. There are so many avenues that I could take, but I think where I want to start is actually at the end. And one reason that I want to do this is because if I were to start at the beginning, And if you're not familiar with the events of this case, it would almost lead up like we will have somewhat of a happy ending. And then I'd have to hit you with the unthinkable, tragic ending and leave you there. And honestly, I just don't want to do that to you. And the ending is really the hardest for me. And so I want to get through it first. Okay,
1: that makes sense. You want people to know what this man did.
0: Yes, I do. I don't. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. So this is the case of the disappearance and likely murder of Susan Powell, but it's also the absolute murder of her two young sons, Charles and Brayden Powell. The reason that I say likely murder of Susan Powell is because Susan's body still to this day has not been recovered, and that alone is one of the reasons that we wanted to cover this case, was to keep the conversation going in hope that someday her family can have closure.
1: Yes. Can I ask how long ago that she disappeared?
0: Yes, you can ask that, Amber. This case goes back all the way to 2009.
1: Okay, so that's when she came up missing. It
0: is, but that's not where we're starting. This case was heavily covered in the media. It still remains the largest and most expensive missing person case in U.S. history.
1: Oh, wow. Wow.
0: I will not be using mediocre news articles or mediocre documentaries for sources. I have over 20 hours of research into this case. Oh, wow. And my two main sources come from books that I highly, highly recommend. One was written by Susan's sister-in-law, Jennifer Graves. So the perpetrator's sister. Oh, okay. Her, and, and it, her stance On refusing to ignore the red flags of her brother Josh Powell and his behavior has actually cost her her ties and connection with her family, but she did it anyway because she knows what's right and what is wrong. In her book, A Light in Dark Places, she tells the entire story without sugarcoating it on what it was like from her perspective. I also read the book, If I Can't Have You, by Greg Olson and Rebecca Morris, which was actually reviewed and endorsed by Susan's own sister as being accurate in a good case study of her sister's story. Okay. Okay. There are some articles and interviews as well, and I'll link everything in the show notes. So where I'm going to start initially with this case is on February 5th, 2012 in Puyallup, Washington. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and Josh Powell was scheduled to have a supervised visit at his home with his two young boys, Charles and Brayden Powell. Okay, so supervised
1: visits, we already have some kind of case then, I'm assuming, correct? Yes, they have
0: a case in family court. Okay. And I'm about to say it. So Charlie was seven and Brayden was five. They had been removed from the care of Josh Powell, not because he was a person of interest in the, two, at this time, two-year-old investigation of their mother's disappearance, They were removed because they lived with Josh and his father, Steve Powell, and Steve had been arrested on voyeurism and child pornography charges on September 11th, 2011, December of 2009. Mom goes missing. Uh Uh-huh. And we're going to get to it, and you're going to be very frustrated about the police work in this case. Thank you for propping me. Yeah. He's not charged, so he's got the kids in his care, and he immediately moves them in with Grandpa. Steve.
1: Who's who a Who is
0: creep. a creepy, creep, perpy, perp. Perpy,
1: perper. Yes. He's okay. perpy
0: McPurperson's.
1: I always appreciate the heads... <laughs> <sighs> Excuse me. <laughs> Smoke another
0: pack, Amber.
1: <laughs> Let me put my pipe down. <laughs> I was going to say I always appreciate a heads up on a perp because yeah. it's oh, a little triggering he's, for
0: he's me. He's the worst of the worst. So not only child pornography but he likes to watch children when they don't even know they're being watched and more oh okay and josh knows this he willing he knowingly moved his children into a horrible situation so he knew this about his father he did he moved him in there anyway finally we'll get to how it happens but the police arrest steve and confiscate some things from josh that are very compromising as well and the kids are removed finally So that's September 2011, and now where we're at is February 2012. So he's had supervised visits. Okay. He's still having supervised visits, but this was the first visit that was allowed in Josh's home because he got himself a new, he rented himself a little home. After dad was
1: arrested. Okay, so he's out of dads at this point. Yep, he's out of
0: dads. He's trying to reunify. The goal is reunification. He's doing the damn thing to get the kids back. We know all too well what that's about. Yep, and we're going to get to that damn thing. They had previously been doing visits at a neutral location. The caseworker, and what I mean by caseworker, you guys, is when you have a child removed or children removed, there's a caseworker assigned to their case and they're the ones that handles the visits, all the paperwork keeps track of the service providers and basically is your liaison between the state that removed the children and the court to say and the you know they build the relationship. I did this for many years in the county that we live in and you help reunify the family. and the job of the caseworker is to have the kids' best interest at heart. so if reunification, is not possible, then we change the goal to find permanency for the child, which would be adoption or a guardianship with mm-hmm. a yep. with a family member, okay? So right now, the goal was still reunification. The caseworker was Elizabeth Griffin Hall. She picked the children up at 11.33 a.m. from their guardians and grandparents, Chuck and Judy Cox. Now, Ju- Chuck and Judy are... Susan's parents. Okay. And she drove them to their father's new place that he was renting. The children exited Miss Hall's car and ran just a couple of steps ahead of her. Okay. I'm picturing myself in this position. I would be getting my bag out of the back seat where I always keep it.
1: Yep. So the kids are kind of running. And the kids
0: are excited to see dad. So they get out of the car and they're running up the steps of this little bungalow house. And... Josh opened the door, ushering the children inside. And according to the book, If I Can't Have You, Josh gave Miss Hall a shrug of the shoulder, a sheepish look, before slamming the door in her face and immediately locking it.
1: Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, Elizabeth Hall was stunned. She said as the door slammed, she could smell an intense odor of gasoline coming from the home.
1: Oh, no. So she could smell it clear out at the car. Yep.
0: She's at the door at this oh, point. Oh, she's at the door. Yep. Okay, gotcha. The reason the kids were ahead of her and not like right next to her is because she had to get, you know, stuff out of the car. But she was right behind the kids. Uh, By the time okay. they're at the porch and Josh opens the door and so gets those kids inside. very quickly. He does. Slams the door. And as the door shuts, she's smelling gasoline. My
1: heart is sinking already.
0: You better hold on to your heart because. It's y- going to
1: fall right out of my butt. It is.
0: You're, your heart's. It's I'm watching there. that chair.
1: Yes. You might want to wipe your chair yeah. off after
0: this. <laughs> Here comes Amber's heart out of her butt. Oh. So Miss Hall starts pounding on the door. She's ringing the doorbell. She called out for Josh or for the boys to open the door. I have been here a million times with doing visits like these. Obviously, I'm nothing this profound, okay? Right. But I have had thoughts before of what would I do What would you if even do? Guy- mm-hmm.
1: That's exactly what I'm sitting over here thinking. What would mm-hmm. you do in that situation?
0: Yep. And I'll give some insight in a minute on that. But she realized that she did not have her cell phone on her. It was in her car. All right. I was both a CPS and a foster care worker for many years. Elizabeth Hall is a victim in all of this, too. And I don't think that if she had had her cell phone on her person, as we're always instructed to do so, the fact that she didn't have it on her does go against at least our state's uh, training tactics. But it wouldn't have changed the outcome that was in my, my situation. I, I
1: mean, it sounds Mm-mm. like this is going in a very specific direction. and
0: It is. And also, you're going to hear how her call with 911 goes and why oh. I don't think if she'd had her phone that it would have made a difference. She gets in her car. And as she's getting in her car, she hears a child scream and start to cry from inside oh. the house she frantically calls her supervisor and then 911 now the book said that she called her supervisor first but i would hope that it was actually the other way around i so would hope so too i'm not going to pretend to know that i uh, that i even know what order that was in either way the frustrating call that she ends up having with one, 911 made it impossible to have stopped the events she backs the car up out of the driveway as she was talking to 911 because the odor of gas was so strong.
1: Oh my gosh. So she's expecting something to yes. and ignite or explode. Yep.
0: I read the transcript with the 911 call and I'm not going to read it all like word for word for you guys because we only have so much time in our life. What it basically breaks down to is that Ms. Hall does a great job of explaining that she is on a supervised visit with Josh Powell. The Josh Powell, the man who has been suspected of killing his wife in December 2009 and that he just took the boys and locked her out. She made it clear that this is a high-profile case and that he is not to be alone with the children. She also made it clear that she could smell gas. The 911 operator made it very clear that he didn't really understand the
1: urgency. Stop. I can't. I said that really flat. Let me say that again. Stop. Okay. (laughs) Stop it. You stop it. it. So he didn't see the issue after she had just laid it all out on the line in detail.
0: He did not. He actually even when she's like, how long is it going to be for you to get somebody out here? And he legitimately says, well, they're attending to emergencies right now. I'll get someone there as soon as possible. As if this is not an, an emergency. That's how he,
1: yeah. Okay. Can you tell me this man is unemployed now? <laughs> I,
0: you know, I don't know if he's just following triage protocol. And because right now, the only information that they have is that he's got his two boys and he's locked me out of the house. But boy, you've got to figure she can smell gas. This man, this in people knew who this man was at this time. Okay. He was highly, highly suspected of murdering his wife.
1: Right. And I feel like and maybe this just should be more training, but if you're saying this man that has supervised, supervised visitation and he
0: purposely locked me out, mm-hmm. there's a reason.
1: And so any you first responder I, see, should be like, okay, I'm on it. Or, you would
0: think so, but you I and I are, are but you and I are coming from this perspective because we have lived with the seriousness of desperate people who have had their children removed and the links that they may go, a 911 dispatcher might not.
1: Right. So I did
0: try to think of it from that angle and how their training might triage people for, quote, actual emergencies. But you and I know, because we've done this for so long, that this behavior, is this isn't how people typically act. When they're on supervised visits... They are very friendly and that kind of what I call fake parenting, right? And we'll get to that because he did do a fair share of that as well. There's
1: so many things I want to say right now
0: that you know I'll probably get but to, I but I think you're going to get to this. I will, so I'm I will shut
1: my mind. Okay,
0: so the 911 operator basically just makes it clear, like, okay, I get it that you can smell gasoline, even so, he's like well, do you think, has he ever threatened the kids' lives? And Miss Hall's like, well, I don't know, but I'm afraid that he's threatening them right now. Like,
1: Right? I, I mean... He maybe killed someone, right, too. Right, right,
0: exactly. So the call took seven minutes to complete.
1: Oh, Lord. Before
0: he dispatched someone. And at this point, like I said, all they know is that the caseworker is locked out of the home. So Elizabeth Hall sits in her car waiting when suddenly she starts to hear popping from inside the home. Oh, no. And before she knows it, a loud whooshing sound, a boom, and her car shakes. At 12.16 p.m., now remember, she picked the kids up from from their grandparents' house at 11.33 and drove them to this home. So this is quite quick.
1: Yeah. Okay. This this all unfolded very fast. It did. At 12.16
0: p.m., the house exploded. Oh. 911 calls came in from the neighborhood. One caller said the roof of the home was blown off. There was crap everywhere. Another caller reported that a meth house had blown up. Elizabeth Hall dialed 911 a second time and she got a new dispatcher and explained the situation. She was put on hold. She got someone from Fire and West Rescue. What? And explained the situation again. She had to keep telling people that there were three people in the damn home because other callers were calling saying that no one was in the home because Josh had just rented it. But Elizabeth knew better. She took those babies there. She knew those babies were in the home. Once the fire was put out and the air was determined clear enough, investigators found the bodies of two small children and one adult. Okay. Oh. Okay. Now, uh, trigger warning for everyone, and I want you to grab your butt I right don't,
1: now. I don't like where this is going. This,
0: is gonna, this one's going to hurt a little bit, but I felt it was very important to put in here. The children were found touching hands. It's unknown if they were reaching for one another, if Josh staged them this way, or if it was caused by the force of the explosion. But the grandparents were told by the fire department that they were touching hands.
1: That is so sad. I know.
0: At first, the investigators believed that the fire was the cause of death, and that was part of it. But the autopsy report indicated that there was accelerant and smoke in both of the children's lungs, which meant that they were breathing when the fire was burning and that Josh had poured accelerant on them.
1: Oh, my God.
0: What investigators were really shocked to find out was that both children had marks on their neck consistent with chopping injuries, and they were both missing a part of their skull with gray matter exposed. There was a hatchet with a melted handle found near the boys' bodies. Josh Powell had taken a hatchet to both of his children, then poured accelerant on them and lit the home on fire. He himself was found in another room on top of a can of gasoline that investigators believe he sat on intentionally. Police called this a double murder suicide.
1: I'm just. Okay, take a breath. My only thought is I hope his ass exploded as he was.
0: (laughs) Tell me that that he put the gasoline valve straight up Main Street. I hope so. And if not, I hope wherever he is today, that keeps happening to him over and over again. Just a ring
1: of fire literally in his ass. Oh my gosh, that's that's all I can say because my heart I
0: know. It hurts. It now hurts. do you see why I wanted to get through that part yes. first? Yes. All right, so now you know exactly I what think type it would have of been man
1: worse at the at, at the, the end, end? me I too. Do. So thank you. Okay, good. I'm
0: glad I'm doing something right here. So how does this happen? How does a man become so desperate and depraved that he takes the life of his own children?
1: I really would like to know that.
0: I've worked with a lot of narcissistic men who know absolutely no bounds. I have questioned on my way to visits before what would I do if he just took the kids and ran? What would I do to keep these kids safe if he physically assaulted me? Elizabeth Hall never did casework again. She went home, threw her clothes away, knowing that she would never wear them again. And actually, I did this very same thing on every child death case that I ever had to work on. And she was quoted in the book, If You if I can't have you saying that she feels that she literally drove those babies to their death.
1: I, I can't imagine. And like you said, she's a victim in this she too, is. but I can't imagine living with that. And, it, and I can see how she would feel yep. that way.
0: It is not her fault. It is not even the judge who ordered supervised visits fault. It's the fault of the laws that require visitation for parents when the goals reunification without consideration of circumstances. Josh Powell was a person of interest in the disappearance of his wife, Susan. In our country, you are innocent until proven guilty. And he had not once in two years, and two months, during the investigation of his wife's murder, not once had he been charged with anything. The investigation was ongoing. But I will tell you right now that there was strong evidence gathered almost immediately after Susan's disappearance against him.
1: So Susan's case was still active at this time, obviously, because yes. she hasn't been found and they were still looking at yes. him. Yes,
0: and they were closing in on him. And he was the only person.
1: So this is where, like I said, I didn't want to jump ahead, but my mind was going to we have this person of interest in a murder case. Mm-hmm. And you're letting a worker go to his house for a visit? Yep. Are you one kidding me?
0: One worker.
1: Yeah, with no backup. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. One worker, no backup to his home.
1: That actually makes me so mad. Mm-hmm.
0: Me too. You're. I know you want to know what the evidence was against him, and we're going to get to it. But it boils down to the police considered all the evidence against him circumstantial. And it's very controversial, but we've said it a million times, 2020, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and what a bitch it is. But they wanted a confession because you can't be tried for the same crime twice in our country. So I know that they wanted it to be solid. And I'm going to speak more on that in a little bit. But anyway, now that you know part of the tragic end, I want to take you back for a moment. Way back, actually. To the marriage of Josh's parents, Terry and Stephen Powell, you may be wondering why the hell do we care about them, but I really want you guys to understand the generational abuse that happens here. Okay. According to the book, A Light in Dark Places by Jennifer Graves, that's Josh's sister, Stephen was addicted to pornography. So Josh's father was addicted to pornography. At one point, he even wanted to marry another woman and wanted his wife to be okay with it. The other woman was also married, by the way. He kept a diary about it, even detailing how much he loved this random woman, who, by the way, did not return his affections. And his wife found that diary. I
1: was just going to say, where was he keeping the diary?
0: Not hiding it well; it was like under their bed.
1: I've never heard of a man keeping a diary.
0: Oh, just wait.
1: Is it a juicy diary? Steve the Creeper
0: Creepersons Powell keeps lots of diaries. Oh, okay.
1: So like creepy, icky diaries.
0: Yes, and he is no Robert Frost. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that. (laughs) mm
1: good, good to he know. He did
0: not have profound thoughts that he should be writing No poetic
1: down. Uh, no. words in those
0: diaries. Not unless you consider masturbation romantic, which I do not. There's a time and a place, but your diary is probably not where you should detail
1: it. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for the heads up.
0: Yeah. More to come on that. Put a pin in it. <laughs> Steve Powell was a sexually obsessed pervert. He was chauvinistic narcissistic, and just plain a nasty-ass
1: man. A dirty man.
0: He was a turd. Jennifer recalled... He's he a big,
1: greasy a big turd. Big turd.
0: <laughs> Jennifer recalled one time when she was around the age of 10 that her dad took her on a work trip, and that night in the hotel room, as they're both sitting there watching TV... He turns on hardcore porn while she's sitting right there also watching it. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah. Okay, so he's disgusting. And she just
0: looks over like, does he realize that I'm watching this? He briefly glanced at her and just went back to his hardcore porn.
1: Uh, Mm -hmm. Like no words can come out of my mouth right now.
0: Creepy McCreepersons. He did not respect his wife. He made sure that his sons did not respect their mother. The couple had five children together, three boys and two girls. Jennifer was the oldest. And then Josh, Michael, and then later Elena and Alina, excuse me, and John. The only one that did not end up poisoned by their father was Jennifer, the oldest. She's the one that wrote the book, okay. Light in Dark Places. First of all, Stephen did not pay much attention to the girls. So she was shaped more by her mother, and she learned very early on that this was not a healthy marriage and her father was not a healthy man. In the book, she details about how her mother would ask one of the boys to do something like the dishes, and her father would just tell the boys they don't have to listen to her, and that all the housework was a woman's job.
1: Oh my god!
0: I just want to punch a douche canoe in the face.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> absolutely! When I read that,
1: oh, I had to take Give me a, break. a paddle for that douche canoe. Yes, so I can <laughs> slap. <sled. you> <laughs> So, I can slap him with it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. You're painting a very, very vivid picture I know. here. So,
0: finally, Terry Powell had had enough and she divorced Steve's nasty ass. But divorcing someone with this severe of a narcissistic personality oh disorder is not easy. What
1: a nightmare.
0: Yep. It took Two years, a lot of letter writing, which was where Jennifer later learned that her brothers had actually sexually abused her younger sister and that her mother had confronted her father about Michael looking at hardcore porn magazines when he was only eight years old. And when he, I guess when she confronted Stephen about it, he was like, "Um, no, it's fine. Quote, People are just animals anyway. They should be able to have sex anytime, any place. end quote.
1: So it almost sounds like he purposely shaped them.
0: Oh, he absolutely did. To, to be, be just like yeah. him. Yeah. To be sexually depraved, perverted, not respect women, to 100% be like yeah, him. Yeah, I
1: get the impression he wanted them to be that way. Yes.
0: And can I just say he just thinks that People are animals, so they should just be allowed to have sex whenever and with whomever they want. Thank God that's not legal. Like, I know so many people that I do not want to see and uglies. No, I don't either. I'm just really glad that's not a thing. I know you guys are asking yourselves probably the same thing that I was when I was reading all this. Is this dude real life? Yes.
1: He He's, really... He really existed. Not only
0: did he exist, but he then raised his children to be just like him so stephen powell wrote letters to the judge during the divorce saying that his soon-to-be ex-wife was a witch and apparently she was a witch because she made her own like tea tinctures tincture i always have a hard time with that i like that tincture yes so she made her own tea oh how very witchy of you very witchy and like grew her own vegetables and they weren't even impressively sized, okay. Mm-hmm. Although I have a feeling a guy like this, he was jealous of the uh, the cucumber. <laughs> I knew you could fill it in for me. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe what's the purple one, Amber? I can't the think egg
1: plant. right now. The eggplant. Egg All I
0: could think of was that purple eggplant emoji, but I couldn't think yes. of the name eggplant. I've used it a time or two. So
1: she had a garden and she drank tea. Yep. And he was like, "What is this haggery?" Hanger. She's a witch. Oh, my goodness.
0: If that woman had been a witch, I just feel like he doesn't realize that she would have practical magicked his ass to the grave by now. Do you remember that
1: movie? No, I don't. Sandra
0: Bullock and Nicole Kidman.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sandy B. Come on. (laughs) Love me some Sandy B. Me
0: too. And she kills her this abusive man mm-hmm. and then they realized oh shit he's dead we got to raise him from the grave because we're witches we can do that and it didn't go well so they killed him again and had to bury his body it sounds very dark it's a good movie trust me and i'm just like if terry was a witch she, oh, would... she
1: would have had some sorcery on him for sure
0: anyway long story short because the legal system is totally fucked up in the early 90s Steve got the boys and Terry got the girls.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, I shit you not. So he had complete access to them mm-hmm. at that yeah. point.
0: So what he does, of course, is poisoned the boys against their mother, against women in general. I mean, Ag-
1: that's a classic narcissist it is. trait.
0: And not only that, it's about to even get more textbook. Against the government and against the Mormon religion, which was a large part of their mother's life.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay.
0: Lots of paranoia. You okay. know, all yeah. this sorts, of, these sorts of things. He lived daily with pornography out in the open, as if it didn't even dawn on him that this is not something that's normal. Okay. So
1: the kids were there, and he's just popping in some porn, like no. The big magazines deal.
0: were all over the house. Wow. Even not only the content on the TV, but just the literature, if you want to call it that, laying around.
1: Oh, so like. You have home and gardens. He had porn just sitting on the, the end table. Right.
0: I, I got my Magnolia cookbook sitting out there and no hardcore porn. No hardcore porn. That's
1: so disgusting to think about. I don't know how, how old the kids were when they split up, but they were all
0: various ages. Jennifer was an adult, so that also saved her a little bit, but the others were younger. But they lived They lived like this their whole life. Yeah. This wasn't just after the divorce. Yeah. This is how this man was. And it's important that I mention it because of the things that you're going to see Josh do. But I also want you to know that Stephen Powell's own childhood was fooked up as well. His parents would kidnap them from one another during their divorce. And the first time that, he, he at, that it happened, he asked where his mom was. All right. He's in the car with his dad and his grandma. Mm-hmm. And his grandma replied, you're never going to see her again.
1: Oh gosh! I
0: mean, ugh. so again, I only mention it because I want everybody to be able to connect the dots of what generational abuse looks like. Yeah, because it's and important you- to Jennifer Graves, and she puts it in her book and actually donates to a Break the Chains nonprofit. Oh, that's for awesome! This. Yeah,
1: good for her. Have you noticed how many? I'm trying to think if it's all of our cases have that connection that childhood pornography or sexual with sexual exposure. depravity
0: absolutely young yes at a young age Yeah, because their brains just I could tell you the science behind it maybe that's a time for another
1: another special. episode another
0: little special episode but I can tell you what happens in the brain when those connections are made at a time that they shouldn't be before the brain is ready and it really really messes up the connection
1: and the patterns. Of behavior, yeah, I think that's Mm -hmm. very apparent in most of our cases.
0: So Jennifer Graves said in her book that Josh did really well when he was with his mother. If he was out from under the control of his father, he seemed to, to really thrive. He would attend church and tried to set goals for himself. Something that I read on every single source, though, is that Josh Powell loved to talk. He loved to talk about himself. He was an instant expert at any topic of conversation and needed the attention on himself always. He was also from what I can tell as well about as useful as the foreskin on a penis. So there's no that.
1: offense to any of our uncircumcised. Absolutely. <laughs> but they know it it takes extra effort as well.
0: It's not providing them a lot of use right, and that right. is where Josh is. He ends up, he doesn't work. He makes Susan do all the work.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, okay. he's. So he didn't even hold a job for. No. The family. Yeah.
0: Either. No, okay. no, no, no. Okay. I'm telling you, he's a foreskin. Kind of looks like one too.
1: So Josh was born. We might, we may need a picture in the. <laughs> oh,
0: it's coming on the socials and I'll mention it. Don't worry.
1: Josh's work ethic. Yes. <laughs> this is
0: useful as a foreskin
1: i warned you guys that i just can't i i can't even handle i can't i can't either i'm not gonna hold
0: i'm not gonna hold back when it comes to this guy
1: or his dad
0: no right yeah he gets worse too so josh was born january 20th 1976 he was selfish, arrogant, thought he was the shiznit everything and anything. He was never considerate of others, and in general, the textbook def- definition, like we said, of a narcissist. He once threatened to kill his mother when he was a teenager, uh, when his parents were still married, because his mom asked him to do the dishes. Cool. Oh my goodness. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah.
1: Sounds pretty Go fuck up. yourself, Josh Powell.
0: Let's go over the nine traits of narcissistic personality disorder, just real quick. There's... Grandiosity, arrogant and domineering, preoccupation with success and power, lack of empathy, belief of being unique, a sense of entitlement. You, they require excessive admiration. They are very explosive and envious of others. It's important that I note this because as you think about those things, you will be able to yuck uh-huh. them off when we talk about Josh Powell. Susan Cox did not know any of these things about Josh when they met at a church function that was for singles at the Jesus Christ Church of Latter-day Saints or LDS Church as it's more commonly known. Susan was only 19. The two met in October of 2000 and they were engaged by the end of December the same year. They were married April 2001 Susan was known to be outgoing. She had a bubbly personality. She was extremely devoted to her Mormon faith. She was born October 16th, 1981 to Chuck and Judy Cox of Puyallup, Washington. Now remember that I mentioned Chuck and Judy at the beginning because the courts had placed Susan's yes, boys
1: their grandparents, mm-hmm, okay.
0: with them when they were removed from Josh. Chuck and Judy were not impressed with Josh from the start. His domineering personality was off-putting, and they could see immediately through his bullshit. Jennifer Graves, Josh's sister, had had concerns for how fast the engagement and marriage happened, but hoped that Susan's influence could better Josh. She made no qualms in her book, How Difficult Her Brother... Her brothers, actually, had made her life
1: growing up. So even at that time, his sister was like, yeah, be careful with that guy. She, oh, yes,
0: yeah, She saw she the red knew. flags. Yeah.
1: She did not have an easy time
0: being raised by them. There were many times in her book that she explained how much Josh and her other two brothers scared her.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: Uh, at first... As with all new relationships, the two were in love. They were snuggling and kissing and holding hands.
1: Oh, it always starts so beautiful.
0: The honeymoon phase is marvelous. However, that did not last long. By the time Susan was pregnant with their first child, Charles, Josh was making claims to her that she was unattractive, that she was making Ugh. up the pregnancy so that she wouldn't have to work. Don't you love that? Oh, you're just pretending to be pregnant so you don't have to work.
1: And I just, I, my heart goes out to anyone that gets into a relationship with someone who's a narcissist because it does start out really good. Yep. And then you're pulled in and you're left with this person that's a monster. Yes,
0: that's not the same.
1: It's it's just such a hard Thing to get out of once it, you're in it. It is, you know, if you if you never have been there, thank God. But if you have, it's it's so hard to get then, out of it. Yeah, if
0: you have, you know exactly what we're talking about. So he would no longer touch her intimately when she was pregnant, and at times would claim that the child was not even his. "Quote," he would say, "if there is something in there, I didn't do it." End quote. Josh Powell
1: eat a dick, <laughs> eat a big uncircumcised penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Nope. This man, Nothing though. to I be sorry right. for. He chopped his him. children
0: up and lit them on fire. Yes. We can absolutely tell him to eat a big uncircumcised yes. penis.
1: Which really I even used the appropriate terms.
0: Yeah, for sure. We should have added STD infected. There though, we go. Because you know, in general, penises are fine. I'm gonna speculate why he did this though. She was happy. She and the baby were getting attention and his ego just couldn't take it. Charles was even born the day before Joshua's birthday on January 19th, 2005. Here's a little tidbit for you. He didn't even go to the hospital. He had her call her parents to take her to the hospital because he was working on a real estate form and was backing up his computer.
1: Are you kidding me right I now? I wish
0: I was kidding you, but everything that I tell you about this man is true. So he brings his computer to the hospital hours after Susan had already arrived, and only when it was time to push did he play the did he pay the slightest attention to Susan, and that's only because her father was there telling him he needed to.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, so
0: that is what we're working with here. Now, Chuck Cox, Susan's dad, had four daughters, so he knew a thing or two about women in labor. Mm -hmm. And Josh just sat there working on that real estate form and backing up his computer. Dude, if it takes you all day to work on one form, real estate's not for you.
1: I bet Chuck was about to blow a gasket. I
0: want to meet Chuck and Judy someday because you'll find out what badass advocates they are for Susan and her boys even to this day.
1: Oh, good. And I
0: cannot imagine how painful it was to watch their daughter have a marriage like this.
1: Oh, absolutely. And then what happened to their grandchildren? Yep. It's just so sad.
0: Jennifer Graves recalled in her book that Josh was not a hands-on parent. Wow, color me shocked. You don't say. He never helped with the housework check mark cooking another check laundry check check or the kids yep sounds about right nothing unless here and here it is amber he wouldn't help unless someone was watching or a camera was out
1: oh so he would swoon in oh yeah
0: swoon swoop if he could make it look the part that is when he would help Mm Hmm.
1: so only for the show
0: only for the show on January 2nd, 2007, they welcomed their second son, Brayden Powell, into the world. Susan was ecstatic and lived for her children. Aww. All she ever wanted, according to family and friends, was to be a mother. Josh was still a fuck loser who didn't help with anything or even work. He wanted to focus on his real estate
1: career. It doesn't sound like it was going very well. Well, the
0: reason that it wasn't going well is because he was investing money in things like a billboard instead of actually working with the clients he had. Josh could never hold down a job. He was always claiming that he left his employment because his bosses were stupid and didn't know what they were doing. Of course, one day on the job, and he was an expert in telling people how to do things. Jennifer speculated that he was fired out of most of his jobs. Not that he quit. Yeah, it was up to Susan to work full-time for income, bear the children, and handle all the household duties. Oh
1: my gosh, poor Susan. I know. Except, so she's like having these kids and yeah, he's not helping she's, with any of she's it. She's doing it all.
0: She's working. She's taking care of the kids, the house, everything, except the money. Because her paycheck was deposited into an account that she was kept locked, locked out of. She wasn't able to see anything. Josh told her exactly how she was allowed to spend the money and that Anything else was none of her business.
1: Wow! So he had complete control uh-huh. over everything.
0: Yes. At one point, he even made her knit her own socks and grow their own food. Uh, I know. Let me. Pick I'm going to choke on this microphone. I know. <laughs> Amber,
1: well, stop deep throating up. the microphone. <laughs> Pull it out a little bit. No, didn't he say she was also a witch? Or did, am I getting no. that? That Other was one? dad. Okay, that was dad. Dad
0: okay. thought, Josh's dad claimed that his mom was a witch to get the kids in the divorce. I
1: see. Okay.
0: I know. It sounds ridiculous that this this all actually happened. So she what I think is so funny, her... do
1: you know how expensive yarn is? I do. Because I was going to start knitting and then it right. fell off the wagon. Exactly.
0: But... Well, I'm sorry, foreskin face, but... Yarn is more expensive than just letting her go to the Dollar General yeah. and pick up a pair of
1: socks. A $2 pack of socks? Yeah. This yep. is so sad to me.
0: I know. One time, he gave her permission to spend $30 on groceries. So I guess she could only buy three things.
1: Treat yourself. <laughs> yeah.
0: And they ended up costing 90 instead. The two ended up in a horrific fight over it. Josh wanted Susan to buy groceries at prices that were just not feasible anymore.
1: Thirty dollars for groceries yeah. for a family of four is yep. is not. It's impossible. That's not okay. Mm-mm.
0: There were times when they had no food to feed the kids, and she'd have to call friends for help. Like the kids are hungry. Do you have any hot dogs?
1: What was he doing with the money?
0: Well, wow. spending it on his expensive billboard for his real estate. That was super super expensive.
1: I would yeah. love to punch that billboard. I know.
0: On. June 27th, 2008, so only roughly 17 months before her disappearance, she gave her best friend, Kirstie Hallowell, a notepad and asked her to document everything that she had to say. She knew that her best friend wrote in a quick shorthand and wanted her, like, knew, like, you can take all this down quickly, get it out. The fight began over their two most heated topics, religion and finances. Susan wanted control of some of the money so that she could pay the tithe to the church as it's a large part of the Mormon faith.
1: That's what she was asking for money for, and he was like,
0: Yep, nope. He she wasn't even asking for anything for herself or or even for the boys. She wanted to be able to pay the church as her religion specified. A certain portion
1: yes. goes Toward to the, the church. church.
0: He told her, if you pay it when you're not supposed to, you're going to hell.
1: Oh, my God. Listen.
0: Listen, foreskin face. It doesn't work like that. God's not like, you paid it when you weren't supposed to, so now burn for all eternity.
1: Well, he was an expert on everything. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Insert sarcasm there.
0: I want to insert a lot of things there. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) We got to stop saying the word insert.
1: Yeah. There (laughs) was a lot of inserting tonight
0: during the escalated fight he threatened to call the police how many times have we seen that i know we've even talked about it on this podcast before mm-hmm. the perpetrator often tries to call the police first oh, and yes, play to get to the, the victim police.
1: Yep, to get to them first
0: she locked herself in a closet he called her a child and it was obvious that whatever happened that night and whatever he said made Susan fear for her life because she had her friend write down the details that included Josh blaming the Republicans for the economy and claiming that they'd have to leave the country so it sounds like he's got some paranoia going on. He also claimed that all their problems would be fixed if she would just make and deliver him good food for his stomach.
1: What? Yeah. So all of our problems will go
0: away if you would just cook me a cook, decent cook me meal, a c- woman.
1: Oh my god! And serve
0: it to me, probably with pearls and a skirt on. And so
1: was this the part of the fight? Yeah, that he was mad. Yep, about? that she
0: had to, that her friend wrote down. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next day, June twenty eighth, two thousand and eight, Susan went to work and added that document that she asked Kersey to write, and she added it to journals that she kept at work and she also wrote a document that she kept at work titled Susan Powell last will and testament
1: oh wow and so in it, that tells me she was fearing something was going to happen to her
0: 100% and she even wrote if something happens to me it might not be an accident even if it looks like it josh may be responsible
1: This poor woman—the way she lived her life—yep, almost assuming that he was going to do something. Yes, but still so powerless to get away,
0: right? Because he's got control of all her money. But you're going, as you're going to see, I believe she was fixing to get herself in a position so that she could
1: to get out of there, which
0: possibly he knew about, and that's why she ends up missing. In these journals at work too, she wrote, "I bike to work daily." and have been having extreme marital stress for about three to four years now. For mine and my children's safety, I feel the need to have a paper trail at work, which would not be accessible to my husband.
1: Wow. Don't tell me that man had a car at home and she was biking to work.
0: Oh, that's exactly what I'm going to tell you. For
1: the love. He needed it for his real estate
0: business, Amber. How's he going to show houses without the minivan? Oh my gosh. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, this is classic. No, it is. It could not get more textbook. Mm -hmm. But I just still feel... My heart
0: for for Susan and and her her. family. You see, in 2007, the couple declared bankruptcy. The couple also had a life insurance policy that was set up as a trust when they were married. But then in 2008... Josh had taken out another policy worth $1.5 million on Susan as him as the benefactor. Oh, don't you
1: dare throw in these life insurance policies into this case. Oh, of
0: course it's going to be a part of it. She mentions the policy in her document of the last will and testament. She also made a video outlining all their assets and stated that she does not trust her husband and if she were to go missing or end up dead, it was likely due to her husband, as I said before. These items were kept in a safety deposit box that Josh the dickface Powell knew nothing about. Susan obtained the box on August 7th, 2008. She went missing in December of 2009. And remember, she started documenting in June of 2008. Yes. When they had that big fight. I guarantee you he was making threats against her life verbally.
1: He had to have been. I mean, the normal person doesn't just document things and get a safety for, deposit for no box.
0: Yeah. Yep and, and keep these things. She was a smart woman. She had a plan in place if she needed to flee with her children. She told co-workers about her personal journal and belongings in her desk and told them that if anything were to happen to her, make sure they look at Josh.
1: Wow. to I be to say
0: that out that. loud, that means you shouldn't be there. And I think at this point she knows she shouldn't, but she's biding her time. Right. And maybe when she asked for money for the church, she really was not necessarily going to pay it to the church at that time, was trying to build. Yeah. But thought if she put the spin on it, I mean, that's probably how I would do it is he'll believe that I'm giving it to the church. I don't know, you know, or maybe she legitimately just wanted to give it to the church because her faith was so strong. So when asked by friends and co-workers if he had ever threatened her, all she said was, ah, it's just the way he talks. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Do you mean how he talks like he threatens you? So she
1: would just downplay it Mm -hmm. like, that's just Josh.
0: Yep, yep. I have a feeling that he probably even said things like, if I kill you, they'll never find the body. Because that's so classic too. And this guy is such textbook that – that I feel is why she started this paper trail. Yeah, and why I mean,
1: I, it does sound like there could have been some very specific threats mm-hmm. because she's, like, planning to either yes. come up missing. That's just
0: it. it. She's either planning for her sudden disappearance mm-hmm. or she's an simultaneously trying to plan to get away
1: Can you imagine before that happens. Wow. Oh, this poor girl. And I don't know what the kids were subjected to through all of this, but if they were fighting all the time and he was controlling everything, I'm sure it wasn't easy for them either.
0: Right. They were very young at this point in time, but even with all this information, the police did not arrest him when she went missing. It is still considered circumstantial, according to them. Investigators had the safety deposit box contents by December 15th, 2009, nine days after she went missing. Wow. Now, let's talk about the day that she went missing.
1: Yes, let's talk about that.
0: It was December 6, 2009. It was a Sunday in West Valley City, Utah. Susan Powell had asked her friend and neighbor, Giovanna Owings, to come over and help her untangle some yarn. Josh had made the family pancakes for dinner, and shortly after eating, Susan did not feel well and excused herself to go lay down. Oh, no. hmm At that point, Josh let Giovanna know that it was time for her to go. And she says as she pulled out the driveway, Josh was also pulling out to take the boys sledding. That was the last time anyone saw Susan Cox Powell alive.
1: I mean, this is suspicious to me already because, number one, he didn't. Probably cook very often, correct. And he wasn't a hands-on dad, correct. So you're telling me Josh all of a sudden is like, oh, let's go. Uh huh.
0: When I read that, I was instantly like, that motherfucker poisoned her.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: We'll get to it. Giovanna later told family and police that when she was there, Josh made the family pancakes for dinner. Like I said, when Jennifer Graves heard this information, it struck her as completely out of character. Josh never cooked. He never helped with anything. Giovanna went on to say how odd it was that he cooked them one by one, not in a large batch like others might do. And then he brought them into the living room serving Susan and Giovanna their meal while they worked on the knitting. His sister, so when suspicious. hearing this, is very concerned because not only does he not cook, but he's not going to serve a woman a meal. Right? Jennifer also knew that it was completely out of character for Susan to be in the middle of something with a friend and then claim that she had to go lay down unless she really was extremely sick. It bears asking the question Is this the beginning? Had Josh poisoned Susan? Her parents would later speculate that this is exactly what happened because Josh was a puny little man and susan was a fighter and stronger than him had the fight been a fair one josh wouldn't have won so they speculate that he had subdued susan in he some way he took
1: the cowardly way mm-hmm. of course out. he did i, I mean I again mean, check you couldn't hand serve any more suspicion Mm-mm. In just what you have told me, I get that he poisoned it gets her.
0: so much worse, oh, so Lord. much worse that he's got something to do with their disappearance. So I definitely agree with with her parents. When you look at pictures of Josh, aside from all of the, the facts that I've talked about, that he looks like the foreskin of a tiny little penis,
1: he really is just a. Again, we're gonna post that for you. No, we I'm are, just yeah. <laughs> this is this is Josh. <laughs> And it's just going to be a foreskin of a penis, not a
0: real person. <laughs> I promise. I won't do that to you guys, but damn it, it would don't be funny. I do the
1: idea, though. I, don't I mean, he really sucks. It's just underneath it, right, John Powell? Shit. I'm so tempted. In, it is real in her business. <laughs> oh God goodness. damn. Okay, well, I would love
0: I would love to do that, <laughs> but Susan herself was this beautiful, strong woman, mm-hmm. and I agree with her parents. He, unless he subdued her in some way, he wouldn't have stood a chance. Especially not because she is would have been fighting for her kids yeah. too. Yeah. So I a hundred percent agree with them also follow us on social media <laughs> so, twitter <laughs> it's month now it's monday december 7th 2009 and there had been a snowstorm with frigid temperature warnings the night before the daycare provider for charlie and braden debbie caldwell becomes concerned when the children are not dropped off that morning susan never misses work and if someone was sick she would have let her know that the boys weren't coming. So Debbie takes kids from her daycare to school each day and on her way back from that she decided to stop by the Powell home to make sure that everything's okay because this was so out of character for Susan. Right okay. My you guys my actual current job involves daycare. I inspect daycares. I work with some amazing daycare providers. They typically would not go by the home of a child that did a no-show okay. Debbie did try to call her Couldn't get a hold of her. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that happens. So you're feeling
1: like she knew there was more going on. Yes,
0: that is what I'm getting at. For Debbie Caldwell to become this alarmed this early tells you that she had concerns about Susan and the boys' safety. For sure. But also how much Debbie loved them. A lot of people spoke about how Debbie was like a grandmother to those boys. But I I don't think for a minute that she was fooled by Josh's trying to be charming Yeah, like character. you said, if she's
1: purposely driving by a yeah. client's house to check, there's some suspicion yep. going on.
0: She was immediately concerned because there were no snow tracks in the driveway and it was obvious that no one had left the home that morning. So she's, she knocks on the door. There's no answer. Now she's really wondering what the heck's going on. Debbie called Josh's mother, Terry, who lived with Jennifer. Okay. Remember Jennifer, the sister who wrote yes. the book. Yes, She calls him right away asking if anyone had heard from Susan or Josh and explain the situation. Jennifer and Terry both tried the couple's cell phones. Now, I'll note, Susan was only allowed a cell phone because it was purchased and paid for by her father, Chuck. Good wow. on Chuck. Wow. Yeah. Chuck Thank you, knew. Chuck. Mm-hmm. Jennifer knew that Susan loved the daycare provider like a grandma, so for the kids to just not show up and Susan would never intentionally be rude like that and not tell her that the kids weren't okay, coming. So
1: that was odd for them to just not show yep. up.
0: And, the, and everyone now knows, I mean, Jennifer and Terry are both like, whoa, whoa, she wouldn't do that. They also, Jennifer and Terry had also recalled that Utah had a couple of recent cases where furnaces had malfunctioned and the entire families had died of carbon monoxide poisoning. So they immediately make their way to the Powell home, Powell's home themselves When they get there, they can see the footprints of Debbie, but no other tracks were there. They knocked, they pounded, they started to worry. They tried windows, everything. Then they decided that quickly it was time to call the police because they're worried about carbon monoxide. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I, I just don't think that Josh Powell counted on his family calling the police this quickly or that the daycare provider would be that worried. I think that Josh thought... Everyone thought him and Susan were a perfect married couple and he didn't count on everyone knowing the truth about him.
1: So he thought people had bought into his deception yeah. that he was this yes. great guy. He definitely
0: was not counting on people having concerns for Susan's safety. So reacting this quickly when she went missing. Now, Jennifer and Terry gave police permission to break a window to check things out. And when they entered the home, Jennifer was asking the police, cause you know, they couldn't enter immediately, um, asked the police if, Josh had a parrot. All right, you're not a pirate. Knock it off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't see that coming.
0: Yeah, so Jennifer's like, is the parrot still alive? And she had to ask the officer a couple of times. And finally, he's like, yes, it's alive. So immediately, she knows it's not carbon dioxide. That's what I was thinking. The parrot's alive. When the police, what they were really interested about, though, is they wanted to know what the two box fans were that were pointed at the carpet in the living room. They were drying it out. The carpet was all wet. Even more concerning is that the house was empty of any of the Powell family, and Jennifer's purse, with all her identifying information and keys, were inside the home. But the family van was gone. They started calling around to everyone and knocking on neighbors' doors, asking if they had heard from Josh or Susan. No one had, except Giovanna Owings. And this is when she tells Jennifer and the police about the pancakes and Susan not feeling well, And this is when Jennifer starts to believe that her brother has done something awful. That quick.
1: His own sister was the first to
0: Mm -hmm. suspect. Is it natural to immediately jump to the conclusion about your brother? No.
1: No, I would think not.
0: Yep, so I'm going to tell you that there were a lot of red flags for all her family and friends. Terry starts freaking out that they had been in a car accident and were lying in a ditch somewhere, freezing to death. The police were able to call both Josh and Susan's employers to find out that neither of them had called in and they had not shown shown up. So now Jennifer, everyone's really concerned because they know Susan would never do that. And of course, this whole time Terry is not believing that Josh has done anything with his wife. Okay. She is in a mom space of, oh my gosh, you know, they're dead somewhere. Because Josh had won. The previous Saturday, Josh had won a camera and it's just like him to go do spur of the moment things. They were like, Oh my gosh, we saw on Facebook that he won that camera. What if he wanted to drive out somewhere and it's the Mm -hmm. middle of a snowstorm? That's where his mom's headspace was at. Hours went by and the family get and finally a friend gets a hold of Josh, who eventually calls his sister Jennifer. And Jennifer is asking where he is. So I'm gonna run down for you the conversation. So this is Josh. The boys are are with me. I'm at Susan's work to pick her up, but she's not here. He sounded unemotional and unconcerned. Jennifer, what do you mean? Where have you been? Isn't she with you? Josh, with real concern in his voice, what do you know?
1: Oh my gosh, stop.
0: I, I don't. This is not a movie. It sounds like a movie. This really happened. Jennifer, I, um, wait, what? They said she didn't show up today. We called the police. They broke a window at your house and left an officer there just in case someone took advantage of the broken window. They need to speak to you. Mama's been so worried. She wants to see you. Can we meet at your house? Josh. Sure. Jennifer. Okay. We'll head over there right now. But Josh does not head right home. It takes him hours to finally show up. He knows. He knows. He knows. That he the police he's... are waiting yeah. for him to talk to him at his house that his wife is missing. He does not care.
1: So instead of this plot that he has that his wife is missing and going to talk to the police immediately, mm-hmm. he just doesn't show up.
0: No, he claimed that he had to get the boys pizza.
1: A, a
0: police officer had even called him after he spoke with Jennifer and he agreed to the police officer to come right home and he didn't. He took the van to a car wash, though. The suspicion is so uh-huh. thick, you could
1: cut it with yep.
0: a Yep, and it took him hours saw. to get home because he wasn't at Josh's, or he wasn't. He, remember, he told his sister that he was sitting at yeah, Susan's work. Yeah, waiting for
1: Susan. Mm-hmm. Like, he had no idea what happened to her. Yep,
0: which was close enough for her to bike. Right. Remember? She biked to work.
1: But there was no tracks, right? Showing that right. anybody had left. Right, she
0: did not bike to work that day. But I'm saying the proximity of her work to her home is short enough that she can bike it. Why did it take him hours to get home?
1: Yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying. That pizza must have been really out of town.
0: Yes. So here's the long and the short of it. Josh claimed to the police that he took the boys camping sometime after midnight. And that was the last time that he had seen Susan. I know. I love how you just covered your eyes. Like, I can't even with this motherfucker. It's so stupid. But see, I don't think that he had enough time after getting rid of her body to come up with an alibi because he had no idea people would figure out she was missing that quickly.
1: He, He thought he had time.
0: Yep. And so
1: let me just ask this too. The boys are with him.
0: Yeah, this, this whole time. whole time. Oh yeah, it comes into play. I know. I can see your heart just fell farther down your rectum. It's so far, so far down there now. It's getting uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it was winter in Utah. There was a snowstorm and frigid temperatures. Susan never would have allowed her then two and four-year-old to go camping Although Josh was known for doing spur-of-the-moment ridiculous things like this, he never would have taken the kids alone and have to deal with them.
1: I'm so insulted that he has Thinks the whole world is stupid enough to believe him. Yes. And Another check mark for a narcissist. Yes. He never got caught. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, yeah. Gets worse.
1: He claimed <laughs> I, can't I always handle have to say that. <laughs> So he claimed that he got
0: mixed up on the days and thought that it was Saturday at midnight. So he did not realize he was supposed to be at work because he thought the next day was Sunday. I know. So
1: he was like, it's snowing. Let's go camping. Yeah, it's snowing and frigid
0: temperatures in Utah. Let's go camping because it's Saturday night. But really, it was Sunday night. So then he played dumb like, I didn't realize I was supposed to be at work. Meh. Oh,
1: my g- that was a really good... <laughs> animal sound by the way what he sounded like <laughs> <laughs> so Giovanna, is can i just ask is anybody buying this at this point well i Are tell you least like oh okay he was never fucking charged i just can't believe that it was botched
0: from the beginning. So Giovanna later disputed this because she was in the home on Sunday, and Josh knew what day it was. She's like, "No, he knew it was Sunday, and that we had to go to work nobody the next does day." Does that mm-hmm. like that? Nobody does that. No, and nobody just takes their two and four year old camping after midnight during on a, a snowstorm su- yeah, during frigid temperatures. Uh, hold on, Strip. just you, just hold on, Missy, because it gets worse.
1: Let me strap in here because okay. I am struggling Get your with this man. Big seatbelt on for this one.
0: I'm going to break it down for you guys like this. Josh Powell never acted concerned over concerned over the disappearance of his wife. He never offered any real information on how to find her. Hell, he couldn't even tell the police who her freaking friends were that she might be with. Like those normal questions that police ask, like where do you think she went? Who do you think? Who does she hang out with? Wow. He never cooperated with the police in a real way. He gave them the runaround and attempted to make it look like he was cooperating when he really wasn't.
1: So he was just telling lie after lie. Yeah. After lie.
0: So what happens next is that the police question him and allow him to leave and return to his home. Neighbors reported on their home surveillance cameras they That showed that Josh made many, many trips to the garbage. Oh, you know
1: they were watching him. Uh
0: This is not something that Josh has ever done. He was cleaning. Jennifer Graves showed up the next day because she's going to babysit the boys when he goes back down to the police station. The police wanted to talk to him some more, Mm -hmm. so he's she's going to babysit her nephews for him. When in the book, she describes how she shows up and he's cleaning frantically. He's doing laundry. And she, all she could think of was, is he getting rid of evidence?
1: Right, because he even, doesn't clean.
0: Right, and she knows that. But even more interesting, what he's not cleaning is the freaking glass that's broken on the floor from where the police, you know, had to get oh, in. Yeah. So yeah. here's her, his two and four year old running around the living room amongst broken glass. But he's, he's not cleaning, cleaning that up. He's doing laundry. He's getting some wet rags and towels out of the um, backyard. And bringing them in to do laundry—it's
1: so like I—I I don't want to know/slash need to know what happened to her because he—if he poisoned her, he obviously did something else really messed up. If mm-hmm. he had to clean, I don't—I don't know. Oops, sorry,
0: I know you guys just heard my water bottle, but.
1: It just makes me wonder what the hell did you do after poison? Right. You Plus, her? don't
0: forget about those two box fans that are uh, cleaning the, that the are carpet. the carpet yeah. was cleaned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, what in the actual ass right. did you do to her?
0: She even called the detective and was like, "Um, he's cleaning." My mom is starting to clean the kitchen. Is this okay?
1: Can you imagine being the neighbors? I would be like disguised as a bush outside <laughs> watching Batman. Disgu- I'm just picturing you in one of those in a suits. Bush suit? Yes. <laughs> yep. You know that they were suspicious.
0: I would think they'd have to be. I would think so anyway. But the, even the detective was like, well, I mean, we can't tell him that he can't clean. I mean, Jennifer called the detective. Jennifer knows.
1: Like he's cleaning she right no- now. Right. <laughs>
0: Yep. She knows that this is so out of character for him mm-hmm. that she's concerned. The day after your wife is missing, why are you cleaning the house? Because I can tell you that's going to be the last thing on my mind. Yeah.
1: When, exactly. When you never lifted a finger before and then yep. all of a sudden there's this crisis. Now and you're now obsessed with it. You're going to tidy up. Yep.
0: And he never asked the police for updates on her case. Nothing. Oh, wow. Oh, no. He was never concerned. All right. So then he goes for questioning. They record they video record his his questioning again he's not helpful the you can tell that the in the video that the officers are getting frustrated because they're, they're they're like sorry about my stutter there they're like, dude, you've been married to her for eight years you know her a hell of a lot better than we do. Who are her friends? He gives answers like well you know I mean she hangs out with people.
1: Oh wow so just those like are his answers yeah.
0: oh I'm cooperating. I answered their questions but did you? No, you didn't, dickface. You just said words.
1: Mm -hmm. Just really vague.
0: So what Josh does cooperate with is that he lets the police take his van into custody. And in the meantime, he rents a rental car. And in the 16 hours that he has it, he put 807 miles on it with absolutely no explanation for where he had been. Wow. He says he was just driving around.
1: Just cruising? Just cruising for
0: 807 miles. The boys stayed with Jennifer Graves at this time, and remember Josh's mother also lives with Jennifer, and she offers for Josh to also stay with them. Two days after Susan went missing, Jennifer recalled in her book that Josh said, quote, I guess I'm going to need to take the kids into counseling to deal with the loss of their mother, end quote.
1: So he's already assuming a loss. Yep. Yep.
0: Jennifer also questioned where he'd went with the rental car, and he claimed that he had drove by her house around midnight, but saw everyone was asleep, so he didn't stop. Jennifer knew that this was another lie, because she was up that night past 1 a.m.
1: This man not only did a horrible job murdering his wife, I'm just going to say it. Uh, Right, exactly. um, His lies and cover-up are also really... just bad they are there's no effort at all
0: but that also classic narcissist Mm -hmm. 10 days after his wife is missing josh powell moves himself and his two boys to piolip washington to live with his father stephen powell something else that you should know is that all the remaining siblings also live there so michael elena john and stephen have all fostered this codependency relationship. But up and I've heard it pronounced up and up. so I'm sorry if you're from there and I'm really butchering that. But just so you know, in documentaries, in audiobooks, it is said very differently. Gotcha. Um, so that is where Susan and Josh met, and that's where Susan's parents also live. So remember, Jennifer Graves is back there in um, West Valley, Utah. Okay. Yeah, And then they in up. It's also notable that Josh did not call Chuck Cox to inform him that their daughter was missing for two days. Luckily, the day of, Jennifer had already been keeping the Cox family informed because her parents had been one of the first calls that she made to see if anybody had heard from Josh or Susan. Mm -hmm.
1: So Josh himself didn't tell them anything. Nope.
0: And Josh didn't know that Jennifer had already called her parents. So wow. he is, he waited two days just like, oh, by the way,
1: oh, your daughter's we can't find missing. Susan. Mm-hmm.
0: The next notable thing that I want to mention is that Stephen Powell, Stephen Powell, the siblings, and Josh presented as a united front from the beginning, never helping to look for Susan. They didn't help put up flyers, anything.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Josh did not allow Chuck and Judy to see the grandchildren even though they now lived just three miles away from one another.
1: Ugh, these poor boys. My heart just breaks for them. Yep.
0: If you've done nothing wrong, why would you not keep a relationship with the with the kids' other grandparents? Chuck Cox was a retired officer. Josh knew he wasn't going to fool him. In April of 2010 was the first time that enough snow had melted in Utah to gather a large search party. It was all over the news. And as it happens, this very same day and time that the search is to take place is when Josh Powell tells Chuck and Judy Cox that they can finally see the boys. Literally the same day and time as the search.
1: Oh, wouldn't you know it. Uh
0: Uh-huh. He has also instructed them that no one else was allowed to come. So none of Susan's other three sisters. They met at a park and wouldn't you know it, Dickface Josh brings his father and sister and a camera to the
1: visit. You guys, this is
0: classic power and control.
1: Why'd they bring the camera?
0: Oh, because they spent the entire visit taking pictures of Josh with the boys. For the media.
1: Oh, like, okay, look at this father. it's all, all
0: for show, and... I want it noted that he purposely said it. He knew that search was happening.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so he
0: purposely said it for that same date and time as a power and control.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Things got very nasty between the two families, and rightfully so. In February 2010, Josh and his nasty-ass father made a website, SusanPowell.org, which was never made in a way to get the word out to search for her. No. It was made for them to make claims that she had run away with another man, and what, they
1: nar, class, classic Classic. Uh-huh, I'm like blah, 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 right? Classic narcissist move. Yep. Right there.
0: And they put the website up to explain to explain that they would post pictures or whatever, so that she could see the boys and stay updated on them, and hopefully come to her senses and come home. I so they're playing this, this game, this nasty. Fucking game that she's out there and alive, and she's checking the internet for updates on her children. It gets worse. This is quite possibly one of the sickest and douchebaggiest things that I have ever heard. But apparently, another man went missing exactly one week after Susan from the same area by the name of Stephen Kocher. Their website made claims that he and Susan had so much in common their love for the outdoors. Music and their faith, and oh, that they probably ran away to Brazil, where Kocher had just done a mission trip, because Susan had always wanted to learn Portuguese.
1: What in the heck kind of website is <sighs> this? I know, but don't you just love it?
0: Okay, if you're going to go off from from the things that they have in com- common, how many of us could have run away with Stephen Kocher? A love for the outdoors and music. Right. Yep. I love the outdoors mm-hmm. and music. This was, of course. Painful for the family
1: of Stephen Kosher. Oh, I can't imagine how painful that would have been. And
0: and although I looked into this man's disappearance, it said that police did not suspect that he was kidnapped or murdered. But I do just kind of want to throw this out there and speculate: Did Stephen and Josh make this man disappear so that they could cast the suspicion?
1: Right. I I don't,
0: I don't... know. That's never been. I couldn't find any news articles on it. It's just something that kind of got my wheels turning. I don't know. I'm, I, there's not a res- resolution to his case.
1: It's always so hard for me to wrap my brain around the capacity for someone with those narcissistic tendencies to, even in someone's murder or they death, have no, no
0: boundaries and are always the yeah. victim.
1: H- even in something this horrific, they still put the spin nope. on because being the victim.
0: it's the lack of empathy. They literally cannot empathize with what someone else might be going through. It is all about them.
1: Yeah. And you said dad was helping with this, right? Yes. Oh, yes.
0: He is molding all this. And I do want to make note that when things were really bad between Josh and Susan, she had documented that he had been spending up to four hours a day on the phone with his father.
1: Wow. And remember what
0: Jennifer said. Whenever Josh was away from his dad and was with his mom, he was doing really well.
1: It almost makes me wonder if, you know, the the extent of his involvement. Well, we're going to get to it. Okay. Hold on.
0: The investigation continues. The Cox family keeps asking for updates, and they keep being told that an, an arrest will be made, quote, soon. This whole time, Josh is living with his perverted father and siblings. At one point, a judge issued a mutual restraining order between Chuck and... Josh because Chuck approached Josh in a home improvement store and asked if Judy could hug the boys. Josh said no and then went to a judge and told the judge that Chuck had mouthed you're dead to him. Yes again narcissistic move i'm the victim he's stalking me they saw him in a freaking home improvement store I'm yeah. like there are my grandkids yeah can we hug them he also once drove up to the media with fake tears in his eyes claiming that he was the victim of the media and the cox family blah 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 poor listen, josh listen scrotum face we don't care Jennifer decided that she was going to confront Josh she wore a wire for the police and told no one what she was doing except her husband she has a very great strong supportive husband
1: okay good
0: she had to go back to her father's home, something that was really hard for her to do, and try to get Josh alone. She knew that he was a weak man and that he could buckle under pressure, something that Chuck Cox also kept telling the police. He just kept saying, just arrest him. You'll get your answers. Chuck knew He is a weak little man, and he will admit to what he's done. The visit resulted in Jennifer confronting Josh about where Susan was, and her brother Michael stepped in to usher Josh out of the house to supposedly go buy birthday party supplies for one of the boys. She was screamed at by her father and told to never come back.
1: Wow!
0: So now it's September 2011. September 11th, 2011.
1: just because she was asking... Just about she Susan.
0: she was pinpointing him. She was she was purposely trying to really get him to snap.
1: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: She was pushing buttons. She was doing a, the big sister role of pushing okay, buttons. Gotcha. Yeah, she was trying. So now it's September eleventh, two thousand and eleven. So twenty one months after Susan disappeared, and Stephen Powell is arrested on voyeurism and child pornography charges. You see, he had allowed the FBI to come into his home for questioning about Susan, and they noticed immediately the amount of porn that was strewn about the house. And more disturbingly, wait for it, hold your butts, photos of Susan Powell in various states of undress, and it was obvious she had no idea her photo was being taken. What? Oh, yeah. So
1: these were in <clears throat> his home? Yep. Oh my gosh. And just out
0: in the open while they could that they could see while he was being questioned. I
1: need to see this I need to see these people so I can comprehend like what I'm dealing with because I
0: I I don't even know that it's gonna show you this kind of depravity. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: Fourteen computers were seized. Who the motherfucker has fourteen computers? computers I know. Including Josh Powell's. There was anime pornography of ancestral porn on Josh's computer, something that he claimed was from a previous owner because Susan had bought the computer secondhand.
1: Oh, so it's Susan's fault. Oh, Again.
0: Josh, Josh, Josh. Don't you know that they can see the timestamp of when the sites were viewed, you sack of toe pus? My God. More disturbingly was the over 400 photos of Susan that Stephen Powell had taken.
1: I am deeply concerned by that.
0: Some. He had photoshopped her face onto other women's news bo- nude bodies. Thousands of other photos of young children were found as well.
1: I'm so I have so many questions about the photos of Susan. You're gonna what you're, ab- you're
0: about to have even more questions. Do you know how sometimes I just like to hit you in the face with some crazy
1: with the douche canoe pa-
0: paddle? <laughs> yeah. We'll get ready because I'm winding up. There were diaries of Susan's from when she was a teenager that Steve had stolen from Susan when the couple briefly lived with them at the beginning of their marriage. There were Stephen Powell's own diaries because remember how I said he liked to think he was a little Robert yes. Frost? Yes. They were filled entirely with his love and obsession with Susan. Just, I know, just to give you a picture. I know you want to say so many things, but let me get through this the next part. Just to give you a picture of what these journal entries were like. On one page, he ranted about how everyone, the Cox family, the media, the police, the Mormons, the government, were all against Josh. But the FBI and police had cleared Josh So soon he would be vindicated. None of that is true, by the way. Then, so that's what he's writing about on one page. Then the very next page, he describes how he had just had a, quote, jerk-off session. Gag me with a wooden spoon. To the thought of Susan's beautiful face. He even documented how many seconds it lasted, which I'm sure was exaggerated.
1: So so he was timing his performance. Yes. Which, come on, sir. It's ha- not like it was impressive. You know I like to ask questions. Okay, I'm ready for it. I I, I don't even know if I want to ask. I don't the know question. the amount
0: of semen, but what um. would you like to know?
1: <laughs> I don't either,
0: actually. But- I think he stopped just short of documenting it in centimeter or some sort of units.
1: <laughs> That's what it really sounded like. I can't I can't handle anymore.
0: Uh, (laughs) Wow. Yeah, this is a lot, right? So we have a perverted, sexually obsessed father-in-law. And... And I really hate this for them, but Josh and Susan lived with Stephen for a brief period at the beginning of their relationship, but they didn't have a bedroom. They put a curtain up in the dining room. A curtain, Amber.
1: And you know creepy, creepy Steve. That
0: is the perfect setup for someone with a voyeurism issue.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So here, that's how he was able to get so many pictures of her in different states of undress. They lived with him. Okay,
1: I wondered how the pictures came about. I'm thinking, was there a camera in the house? What was going on? Even
0: more disturbingly is that he very much believed that him and Susan were in some sort of... Relationship right in front of Josh.
1: Oh, wow. That's how delusional he
0: is. Okay. He's the type of man that if you, as a woman, smile at him out of politeness, you want to suck his dick.
1: Okay. Gotcha.
0: We've met those men before. Mm -hmm. If we make eye contact,
1: that means. It's on,
0: sister. Yeah. (laughs) Holy crap. Crap. And these diary notes were written by a delusional man. And once they were found, he made claims to the media that he and Susan were in love and that he wanted to share Susan with his son. You'll be surprised about this. Even Josh did not buy into the dad and Susan love. He could have taken that story and been like, yep, Susan loved my dad. He, so Josh he did was not. even like, okay, uh, dad. Right.
1: Calm Too down. Far, old pal. Yeah.
0: I find it interesting that Josh would make a website claiming that she left him for another man, but would not tell people that she was in love with his father, even when it became public and obvious that his father was in love with his wife. This is what happens when two people with narcissistic personality disorder collide. He was not going to let his father ding his ego like oh, that. he's
1: like, you're not stealing this show. No, right.
0: She So finally, the children are removed from the horrible home and placed with Chuck and Judy.
1: Thank you, Jesus, for that moment that they had away from this horrific hellhole. Yeah. Briefly. Oh, these poor babies.
0: At this time, Jennifer is making plans that hopefully she'll be able to raise the children eventually in Utah, and Chuck and Judy can resume their roles as grandparents instead of full-time parenting, something that they had all discussed because uh-huh. Jennifer Graves and the Coxes remained a strong unit through all of this.
1: Okay, good. And it sounds like Jennifer was pretty pretty stable, and she loved these boys they bought a
0: bigger van in preparation for the boys to come oh. live with them and bunk beds oh my just goodness. before they died because what happens is the mom terry is still living with jennifer but terry's like you know what josh is on his own now i think i'm gonna go to washington and be with josh and help him so jennifer and her husband are like okay we think this is a good idea mm-hmm maybe we can you maybe mom can get some answers out of him and we can put all this behind us right so she encourages the move what jennifer didn't expect was that her mother actually moved there to help josh get the kids back and this was a betrayal that she could not stand for and they informed their her mom that she was not allowed back in their home
1: oh wow she
0: was fed up with how delusional her mom was about josh's involvement with susan's disappearance this whole time and it should be noted that the little sister, um, Alina, Elena, complained even online how Josh did not care of his own, did not take care of his own kids. Even Steve in his diaries, wrote about this as well. I believe that oh, wow. that is why Josh moved ten days after Susan disappeared. He moved in with Stephen Powell and all of his siblings because he wasn't going to take care of those kids on right, his own.
1: Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So
0: now his mom comes and is like, you know, the right thing to do is to get your kids back. So he's working to get his pig back. Excuse me. He didn't didn't own a pig. (laughs) Be better if he did. But so he's working to get his kids back. He rents a home. He gets a job and he makes the visits, which are supervised in a public location at this point. We've seen all of that. Look, I can do the part briefly. Okay, I can make it look like I'm trying to do a good job to get my kids back. I've seen that a million times. So in Michigan, we do review hearings every three months after a child is removed to keep the judge updated on the services that we've provided and what the progress towards the goal is. And the goal is always reunification in fir- at first. In yes. Michigan, the law gives the parents 12 months with the goal of reunification before a goal change is even considered, such as terminating parental rights, doing a guardianship with someone else, something like that. I'm not going to speak on the Utah law. I was never a social worker there. And like I said, Josh was not charged with anything in relation to Susan's case at this point. Something that I think is a gross um, fault of mm-hmm. the police at this point. But on February 1st, 2012, there was a review hearing t- to discuss Josh's progress on getting his kids back. Some progress had been made because during his supervised visits, Josh was the fake as hell parent. He always when he went there he ha- always had an audience. It was supervised, right? Right. Narcissists love to perform for audiences. The test the social worker testified that Josh was making progress in his visits, which was her job to to document and to report. He always had something fun for the kids to do, which this is something that's a part of foster care services. They offer suggestions to help parents keep the kids occupied and have good visits, right? His own mother wrote a letter to the judge calling him a good and loving father. However, an officer testified to the content on Josh's Josh's computer of the ancestral pornographic images. And now that the children had been removed from the toxic environment, that they were starting to speak more openly. Uh, For example, Chuck and Judy wrote about how they had a hard time getting the kids to sleep in pajamas because they were used to sleeping nude with their father.
1: Oh God. Oh, these poor children. It just breaks my heart. Yep.
0: So at that court hearing on February 1st, 2012, the judge ordered Josh to complete a psychosexual exam and a lie detector test. Remember he had never fully cooperated with the police. Yeah. So he had never agreed to take a lie detector test. But now it was court ordered and a step that he had to take if he wanted to get his kids back and they could ask him anything. So on February 4th, the day before his next visit with his boys, Josh Powell purchased a hatchet, two knives, two gallon gas cans that he filled, took care of his money. He took out $7,000, left 4500 in his account. He went to a storage unit, packed the boys' toys and books and bags and dropped them off at the Salvation Army donations.
1: Oh, my gosh. So he was very carefully planning all of this. Yes. He knew this was going to be the the plan.
0: The ultimate power Uh and control struggle? Yeah. He was preparing. He went to the recycling center and left a hymnal, a map of Utah, and a book on calculus. I don't know. Weird. I like to give you little details. Chuck and Judy Cox were not comfortable with the idea of Josh getting a visit with the boys right after the court hearing at his own home and even questioned the caseworker on what she would do if he just took the kids and ran. She said she'd call 911. Chuck Cox told detectives on more than one occasion that he feared Josh would kill the boys and himself just to keep them from everyone. Oh my
1: gosh, so they knew that
0: this was possible. This was a legitimate concern and it wasn't taken seriously. On February 5th, 2012, that is exactly what Josh Powell did, as I told you in the beginning. Minutes before the visit, he had sent his sister Elena emails about what to do with the remaining money, how to have his utilities shut off, which you blew up the house, dude. Why does that matter now? And finally, the last email was the same one that he sent to other people of importance to him. It just simply said, I am sorry, goodbye. Josh Powell knew that he was screwed in the investigation and with the new court orders. He took the lives of his children as a way to control the situation. But as Jennifer Graves pointed out in her book, they believe in eternal life. And so it it was Susan who won the ultimate custody battle. The family takes solace in this, They are together again and free from the evil that was Josh Powell. Naturally, Josh's mother, father, and siblings blame the media, the police, the church, and the Cox family for the devastating actions of Josh.
1: What a shocker.
0: Yep. Never once blaming Josh for his actions. It's all so clear where Josh got this worldview from.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's so sad that Mm -hmm. he had such a distorted perception mm-hmm. of the world yep of him being the victim and i'm glad you explained that generational abuse i think it's a really important piece of this however there's
0: more to this case here is what the police knew all along and the lawyer for the cox family ann bremner has stated that it was more than enough to arrest josh but the west valley city utah police chose not to but I, as I said before, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I know that in some cases the, poli- the police proceed cautiously because they want to make sure that they have a solid case, again, because you can't be cri- tra- uh, tried twice. We do need to consider some other aspects too. There is no body in this case. There is no confession, and it was heavily covered all over the nation, making it nearly impossible to meet the standard of laws for a fair trial. The police knew, knew all this and were keeping things close to their chest on purpose. They had the safe to pass, So what I'm what I'm trying to say is I, I do think that they had enough to arrest. It doesn't matter what I think. But there were reasons for why they did. And oftentimes in cases like this, we can easily place blame on the police.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But at the same time, if they tried him and it was all circumstantial evidence and it, they didn't win, then he's never going to do. So
1: they were trying to build as a strong case. of a case the, as The case could. was still
0: active and open. They were still working on it. They were going to, he was only, the only person of interest. He was who they were going after. See, they were biding their time and they were going to do it.
1: And, and I get that. I do yep. I can respect that. But the, the part that I feel like was a huge failure is those children should have never been allowed to be with him especially at the home right and the family was even and mourning. that's
0: where i think the ball was dropped i get where they have their person of you're a person of interest but if you know that he has those kids, then can you name him as more than a person of interest, as a complete suspect? He's your only one. He's the only one that they've been looking at. And they have profound evidence as, that I'm about to list in a second. Mm-hmm. And that is where the family court laws need to change. And the, the Cox family is on it. Oh, God. I will give an update on it. Just a sec. Here's what they knew. They had the safe deposit box with all the documents from Susan, including a last will and testament. They knew the carpets had been cleaned, and, the, and there was blood found in the home that matched Susan Powell's.
1: Oh, so they did find blood. They did.
0: Remember when they searched the van? They found blankets, gas can, tarps, shovel, circular saw, humidifier, two knives, rake, and a new open box of latex gloves. A generator was the only camping equipment. There was nothing for the boys. No sleeping bags, and it was in the middle of a snowstorm. So the other piece of evidence that the police had, I had mentioned earlier that Susan had a cell phone because her dad paid for it. Well, the police know that sometime in the evening on the day that she went missing, Josh Powell left a voicemail saying, oh, the boys and I went camping. I forgot that it was Monday. We're on our way home. Just this very trying-to-cover-his-ass message, okay?
1: Overly suspicious
0: yes. message. Yes. But he forgot to remove Susan's cell phone from the van when the police searched his van. And there it was sitting in the passenger seat with the SIM card out, as if that was going to stop them from being able to access any of the information on it. So yes, they had that information too. I can see you. <laughs> I know. I can't. I know. My
1: mind can't process this right now. I
0: know. Now. This is where the lawyer. Can you lawyer, tell me
1: what they were waiting for to build this case? Thank you.
0: I. This like, is where the lawyer, Ann Bremner, is like, yeah, that's not all circumstantial where you had enough to arrest him. I know. There was also no evidence of a campsite where Josh had claimed he took the boys.
1: Oh, you mean he didn't go camping in the snowstorm and forgot what day it was? Believe it or not, they did
0: find graham crackers and marshmallows, but no chocolate because Josh claimed that he left that at home on accident because they were making schmorsch. 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 (laughs) They had reason to believe that Stephen and Josh had scoped out a place in the desert in some mines to bury a body after an ex-girlfriend of Stephen came forward soon after Susan went missing. The police admitted to losing the notes on. She drew them a map, and the police admitted that they lost it. She had also told them of a cabin that the Powell family lost. The the police lost the notes, the map, and the notes that the girl had, the ex-girlfriend had wrote.
1: Was this Reno nine one one that was working (laughs) on this case? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to say it. I know you're not the only one. Everyone
0: feels yes. She had also told them of a cabin that the Powell family owned. It was searched with no results, just so you know. They believe that Stephen Powell didn't have anything to do with the actual killing of Susan, which for a long time Stephen was a person of interest as well.
1: I would think so.
0: And now they don't think that he had anything to do with actually killing her, but they do think that he knew the details all along and refused to tell.
1: I don't trust their judgment. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going to say that with the way that he
0: loved, was sexually obsessed and so in love with Susan, I don't think he had anything to do with killing her. And you'll find But he it, knew. But we're about to find out more. And he did know and is as another way to control, as power and control over the, remember, we've got some defiance going on here for government. Yeah, For, for sure. authority. And this – having that information and never giving it was his way of having power over those types of – those entities that he mm-hmm. despised. Yep. Detective Kim Watley uh, at the Children's Justice Center complete, completed a forensic interview with Charlie, but Braden was unable to be forensically interviewed. And just to give you a brief overview of what a forensic interview means – Basically, you take the child through steps to make sure that they can tell the difference between a truth and a lie. <laughs> if they pass those steps, they can be forensically interviewed and the information that they provide can be seen as is more believable. Charlie was able to pass that forensic interview exam. Brayden was not. Given their ages, that's natural. I'll give you some specifics. So when, they, when Charlie was interviewed, he said that they camped with dad, mom, and his little brother. Mom stayed at Dinosaur National Park And is with the crystals. That's what was said during the forensic interview. They know also that one of the boys drew a picture at school and when asked to explain it, he explained the stick figure in the trunk was mommy and that mommy was dead.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: They had even said Daddy and Mommy got out of the car and Mommy didn't come back. They also said that Mommy is in the mine. Given their ages, their statements in the state of Michigan, it would be hard to get proven. Because of their age. Yes, because they're two and four. Okay. Uh But as as the years go on, these two years have passed, and especially after they get removed from Grandpa's house, they started saying more. And the caseworkers documented it but there was a lot of brainwashing going on because they would also say things like, we hate the Mormons, the Mormons killed mommy, we hate the Cox family. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, of child manipulation happening. So uh, the defense could simply say, well, the Cox family told him to say all that. Okay, so it goes, when children yeah. are involved like that, the that aspect has to be taken into consideration.
1: Josh Powell knew it was over, and he. it sounds like he... He wanted to be the one to decide how it ended. Yep. And that's exactly what happened.
0: They also know that Michael Powell, his brother, had a vehicle break down almost exactly 400 miles away from where Josh had picked up the rental car. And instead of having it worked on, he took the car to an impound lot. The police were able to get to the vehicle before it was impounded. And cadaver dogs hit at the trunk of the vehicle. Not for Susan's scent, but for the scent of decomposition. Oh, my gosh. Yep. They had that information. Now, remember I said he drove that rental car 807 miles Mm -hmm. and his brother that same day broke down 400 miles away from where Josh picked up the rental car. Sounds like a
1: round trip to me. And it
0: sounds like somebody was helping somebody else get rid of a body.
1: And the car broke down. Yep. Did they ever check around that area where the car broke down? Yes. Okay.
0: Remember when Jennifer Graves wore a wire trying to get Josh to confess and it was Michael that ushered him out of the house? Yes. Jennifer wrote in her book that she never thought to ask Michael where Susan's body was. Not that it would have made a difference, I don't think.
1: But I'm thinking he knew where it was. Well,
0: he did. Hold on. The police were starting to put together Michael's involvement. They believed that Michael is who Josh went to meet, like I said. One year and one week after Josh killed the boys and himself, Michael jumped off a roof and killed himself in Minnesota where he was attending graduate school. What? Oh my gosh. He had moved to Minnesota just shy of a year after Susan went missing. The police took the double murder-suicide of Josh Powell as a confession for what he did to Susan, and they took the suicide of Michael Powell as a confession for his involvement. It is also widely believed that Stephen Powell has the details of where Susan is as well, but he took it to his grave because he died one year after being released from prison on his voyeurism charges, and I'm not surprised that he never told. Like I said, it was the power and control. Wow. So they have never found Susan. They haven't. The boys were buried next to the headstone that was bought for Susan. There was rumor that Josh's mother was attempting to have Josh buried with his children next to his children. Oh, hell no. So a charity was started to buy up all the lots next to the boys so that this would not happen. And instead, he was cremated and remains with his mother.
1: Yeah. Bless the people of that and community. He,
0: I loved this little nugget of information, too. At the boys' funerals, they only used pictures of Susan and the boys. Oh. I'm sorry. He doesn't deserve to be in pictures in his in their memory when he is the one that took their lives. It takes a certain kind of depravity to be able to, to take your own children's lives, so Jennifer Graves is still estranged from her family for helping. Um, she's still estranged from her from her family because she knows that they helped cover up what was likely the murder. Of Susan, okay? And they blame others when he brutally murdered his own babies. And she just can't stand for that. So she and the Cox family remain close. She remains a huge advocate of breaking the chain of generational abuse, as I mentioned. In March 2015, according to court records, Susan Powell's family settled a court battle over the $2.3 million life insurance between Josh and oh, Susan okay. and then Susan. Yeah. Josh's Powell, the, Josh Powell's sister, Elena Powell, and, her, and his mother, Terry, had argued that they were entitled to half of the proceeds from the life insurance policies taken out on the couple and their two sons. They also argued that Susan's father had wrongfully shut them out of the estate in 2013. This was originally awarded as a split, but was contested by the Cox family under the Slayer Law of Utah. And a federal judge in Washington state had awarded the $2.3 million in life insurance to Josh and Susan Powell's trust in a related conservatorship. I never say that word right. Is under the Coxes' family control.
1: Wow. So, I mean, I'm so happy to hear that. So basically,
0: in other words, one judge says, yeah, you guys should split it. The Coxes contested it, and another judge was like, hell no. Uh It's put in a trust, and the Cox family controls it.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: NBC News reported that Susan Powell was declared legally dead by the state of Utah on November fourteenth, two 2019. Susan's parents, Judith and Charles Cox, sued Washington Department of Social and, and Health Services over the murders of the boys. Jurors found... The State Department of Social Health Services negligent in July and awarded 98.5 million to the Cox family.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: So then a Pierce County Superior Court Judge Stanley Rumbaugh reduced that by two thirds, okay, bringing the total to 32.8 million. The new.
1: What was the reason for the reduction in the settlement?
0: Um, The reason for the reduction was just that it was he felt that it was too extravagant for what they were you know claiming the cox family has filed a response to the reduction and it's still ongoing from what i could find so well there's you know more to come on that the problem here is that you can't put a price on a loved one's life you know absolutely what they want is a change in the law um Not all cases are Josh Powell, you know, but there needs to be some sort of common sense circumstances that could be put in place to prevent this from happening. The Cox family has fought like hell for their daughter and their grandkids and continue to search for their daughter on their own. I truly
1: hope that they find her just for the closure. I don't know (laughs) if you ever get closure. Right, right. But but just to find and and lay her body to rest. Yep, exactly.
0: Exactly. Okay, so that's, that's the case, I um, I hope that you guys learned a lot from that. I'd like to do a quick brain bath if you're ready.
1: My God, I am so ready. I'm so I, ready. I need one after that case. Okay,
0: a man in Germany. A man in Germany was really drunk, as all good stories start out. Yes, they do. And he was arrested after he attempted to hold up a bank armed with a water pistol and a potato peeler. <laughs> tell me you have a visual
1: please <laughs> I wish I
0: did I couldn't find pictures so police say that the man he was 52 years old you 52 year old Walter Schlagel.
1: I'm, I'm not
0: guys I'm not saying it we're just gonna call him Walt because I Good messed up his Walt. last name real bad so Walt had a stocking over his head and was waving the potato peeler as he demanded cash <laughs> He left with nothing after the bank teller told him that they'd run out of money. It's just like, oh shit. Out of all the days I decide to rob this bank, you're all out of money.
1: Oh my gosh. The only thing that would please tell me he was naked. I mean, He wasn't? Okay. He
0: uh, he just had but he was arrested five minutes later, still wearing the stocking on his head.
1: I love it. <laughs>
0: uh... And then I found this one, too. It's quick. I can give you two brain baths after that horrible case, right? Yeah,
1: we need a double brain bath.
0: When an attempted robbery at Lowe's Home Improvement Store went awry, awry, that's a hard one, went awry, Milton J. Hodges fled across the street and jumped a fence right into the Cypress Cove nudist resort and spa. And you want to know how he was caught? Yes, I do. He was caught because the manager pointed out that he was the only one wearing clothing. Oh, wouldn't Dude, you know it? blend into your environment. Strip right. those clothes. Get those clothes off. Grab a pair off. of sunglasses and lay down <laughs> on a beach chair. I mean, that's it what. It doesn't get any easier. Right?
1: Right. That's and a instead, quick blend in. Right.
0: Instead, this guy's like, my beach bod, not ready. I'm just going to chill <laughs> here a with my clothes.
1: colony. Right. <laughs>
0: You are at a nudist resort. When
1: in Strip Rome, them.
0: yeah. Gosh, lost opportunity. You know Absolutely. that was such an easy getaway opportunity. I, w- I
1: would have loved to see him like trying to play it casual on the beach, fully clothed, fully clothed, though. like nope. surrounded by everyone yeah. else. No big deal, right? Right. You know he's checking other people
0: out too. Like, hey, man, right? How's it hanging? <laughs> oh, I see. A little to the left. <laughs> so oh. there it is. All right. You can follow us on our socials because we will <laughs> we may post a penis with a force I'm just kidding you. Facebook will take that down we're gonna
1: surprise you <laughs> we're not gonna tell you if we will or will not I
0: don't want it to be put in
1: Facebook jail yeah you're right we should probably not so post on that.
0: on Facebook we are crime curious podcast give us a like and you'll be able to see our posts we're not obnoxious we promise on Instagram we're crime curious on the Twitter we're curious crime And we have an email that you could email case suggestions or if you'd like us to tell your story for you. We are crimecurious at yahoo.com. And we have a website where you can listen anytime, www.crimecuriouspodcast.com. But in the meantime, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.